Hello, this is Father John Arthur, or Associate Pastor at Holy Ghost Catholic Church in Knoxville, Tennessee. This is our 14th program on man and woman, he created them, a theology of the body. The talks given by Pope John Paul II for the five years between 1979 and 1984 were using the edition edited by Michael Waldstein. As we reread and analyze the second creation account, that is, the Yahwist text, we must ask ourselves whether the first man, Adam, in his original solitude, lived the world truly as a gift, with an attitude that conforms to the actual condition of someone who has received a gift, as one can gather from the account in Genesis chapter 1. The second account, in fact, shows us man in the Garden of Eden. See Genesis chapter 2, verse 8. But we must observe that, though man existed in this situation of original happiness, the Creator Himself, God Yahweh, and then also the man emphasize that the man is alone. Instead of underlining the aspect of the world as a subjectively beatifying gift, created for man. See the first narrative, and especially Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 through 29. We have already analyzed the meaning of original solitude. Now, however, it is necessary to note that for the first time there clearly appears a certain lack of good. It is not good that the man, male, should be alone. God, Yahweh, says, I want to make him a help. Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. The same thing is affirmed by the first man. He too, after having become completely conscious of his own solitude among all the living beings on the earth, awaits a help similar to himself. See Genesis chapter 2, verse 20. None of these beings, Anomalia, in fact, offers man the basic conditions that make it possible to exist in a relation of reciprocal gift. Gift, mystery of a beatifying beginning. In this way, then, these two expressions, that is, the adjective alone and the noun help, seem truly to be the key for understanding the essence of the gift on the level of man as the existential content inscribed in the truth of the image of God. In fact, the gift reveals, so to speak, a particular characteristic of personal existence or even of the very essence of the person. When God, Yahweh, says, it is not good that the man should be alone, Genesis chapter 2 verse 18, he affirms that alone the man does not completely realize this essence. He realizes it only by existing with someone, and put even more deeply and completely by existing for someone. This norm of existing as a person is demonstrated in Genesis as a characteristic of creation precisely by the meaning of these two words alone and help. They point out how fundamental and constitutive the relationship and the communion of persons is for man. Communion of persons means living in a reciprocal for, in a relationship of reciprocal gift. 
And this relationship is precisely the fulfillment of man's original solitude. In its origin, such a fulfillment is beatifying. Undoubtedly, it is implicit in man's original solitude and precisely constitutes the happiness that belongs to the mystery of creation made by love, that is, it belongs to the very essence of creative giving. When the male, man, awakened from his genesis sleep says, this time she is flesh from my flesh and bone from my bones, Genesis chapter 2 verse 23, these words in some way express the subjectively beatifying beginning of man's existence in the world. Inasmuch as this expression of joy was verified at the beginning, it confirms the process of man's individuation in the world, and is born, so to speak, from the very depth of his human solitude, which he lives as a person in the face of all other creatures and all living beings on Amalia. This beginning, too, belongs thus to an adequate anthropology, and can always be verified based on that anthropology. This purely anthropological verification brings us at the same time to the topic of the person and to the topic of body, sex. This simultaneity is essential. In fact, if we dealt with sex without the person, this would destroy the whole adequacy of the anthropology that we find in Genesis. Moreover, for our theological study, it would veil the essential light of the revelation of the body which shines through these first statements with such great fullness. There is a strong link between the mystery of creation as a gift that springs from love and that <clears throat> beatifying beginning of man's existence as male and female in the whole truth of their bodies and of their sexes, which is the simple and pure truth of communion between the persons. When the first man exclaims at the sight of the woman, she is flesh from my flesh and bone from my bones, Genesis chapter 2, verse 23, he simply affirms the human identity of both. By exclaiming this, he seems to say, look, a body that expresses the person. Following an earlier passage of the Yahweh's text, one can also say that this body reveals the living soul, which man became when God, Yahweh, breathed life into him. See Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. His solitude before all other living beings began in virtue of this act. Exactly through the depth of that original solitude, man now emerges in the dimension of reciprocal gift, the expression of which, by that very fact, the expression of his existence as a person, is the human body in all the original truth of its masculinity and femininity. The body, which expresses femininity for masculinity and vice versa, masculinity for femininity, manifests the reciprocity and the communion of persons. It expresses it through the gift as the fundamental characteristic of personal existence. This is the body, a witness to creation as a fundamental gift, and therefore a witness to love as the source from which the same giving springs. 
Masculinity, femininity, namely sex, is the original sign of the creative donation and at the same time the sign of a gift that man, male, female, becomes aware of as a gift, lived, so to speak, in an original way. This is the meaning with which sex enters into the theology of the body. Discovery of the spousal meaning of the body. This beatifying beginning of man's being and existing as male and female is connected with the revelation and the discovery of the meaning of the body that is rightly called spousal. If we speak of revelation together with discovery, we do so in reference to the specificity of the Yahweh's text in which the theological guiding thread is also anthropological, or better still, appears as a certain reality that is consciously lived by man. We have already observed that after the words expressing the first joy of man's coming into existence as male and female, Genesis chapter 2, verse 23, there follows the verse that establishes their conjugal unity, Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, and then the one that attests the nakedness of both without reciprocal shame, Genesis chapter 2, verse 25, that these verses face each other in such a significant way allows us to speak of revelation together with the discovery of the spousal meaning of the body in the mystery of creation. This meaning, inasmuch as it is revealed and also consciously lived by man, completely confirms the fact that creative giving, which springs from love, has reached man's original consciousness by becoming an experience of reciprocal gift, as one can already see in the archaic text. A testimony to this fact seems also to be, perhaps even in a very specific way, that nakedness of both our first parents free from shame. Genesis chapter 2 verse 24 speaks about the ordering of man's masculinity and femininity to an end. In the life of the spouse's parents, uniting so closely with each other that they become one flesh, they place their humanity in some way under the blessing of fruitfulness, that is, of procreation, about which the first account speaks. Genesis chapter 1 verse 28. Man enters into being with the consciousness that his own masculinity, femininity, that is, his own sexuality, is ordered to an end. At the same time, the words of Genesis chapter 2 verse 25, both were naked, the man and his wife, but they did not feel shame, seem to add to this fundamental truth of the meaning of the human body, of its masculinity and femininity, another truth that is not in any way less essential and fundamental. Aware of the procreative power of his own body and of his own sex, man is at the same time free from the constraint of his own body and his own sex. The original reciprocal 
nakedness, which was at the same time not weighed down by shame, expresses such an interior freedom in man. Is this freedom a freedom from sexual instinct? The concept of instinct already implies an inner constraint, analogous to the instinct that stimulates fruitfulness and procreation in the whole world of living beings, Animalia. It seems, however, that both Genesis texts, the first and the second account of the creation of man, sufficiently connect the perspective of procreation with the fundamental characteristic of human existence in the personal sense. Consequently, the analogy of the human body and of sex in relation to the world of animals, which we can call analogy of nature, is in both accounts, though in each in a different way, also raised in some way to the level of image of God, and to the level of the person and communion among persons. To this essential problem, we will have to devote further analyses. For the consciousness of man, also for that of contemporary man, it is important to know that in the biblical texts that speak about man's beginning, one can find the revelation of the spousal meaning of the body. However, it is even more important to establish what this meaning properly expresses. And with these words, our Holy Father, Pope John Paul II, concluded his 14th catechesis on man and woman, he created them, a theology of the body. Again, this is part one of the work, the words of Christ, chapter one of the work, Christ appeals to the beginning, and the fifth part of Chapter 1, Man in the Dimension of Gift. So we picked up in Giving and Man and worked through Gift Mystery of a Beatifying Beginning and Discovery of the Spousal Meaning of the Body. In these conferences which Pope John Paul II gave on man and woman, he created them with theology of the body, we've seen so many different important things, like Adam. Did he really live the world as if it was a gift? You and I were called to live as if we have received a great gift, not only the gift of our existence, the gift of our life, our health, but also the gift of the world. How beautiful to see the mountains and rivers of Tennessee do we appreciate the gift of God? And not just the gift of life or being, of sight, but also God's gift of self. God gives himself to us in holy baptism, in holy Eucharist, in holy scripture, sacred scripture. God speaks to us. He has given his word to us. And Christ Jesus is the word made flesh who gives us his very flesh and blood soul and divinity in the sacrament of the altar. As Pope John Paul II looks back to the beginning, he asks the question, did Adam live the world truly as a gift? And that question is not just for Adam, it's for us, his descendants. We're reminded of original solitude, so important, 
unlike any other creature on the face of the earth, is the human creature, the human being, the human person. How majestic are the eagles which soar high above. How majestic are the orca traversing the ocean. But none more majestic than the human person made to the image of God, a rational animal, unlike any other, and then this one at last, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, Adam recognizes another self, but even they recognize that they are unlike all others, and they're still alone, although still yet in communion with God before the fall. Pope John Paul II is analyzing sacred scripture in these 133 presentations on the theology of the body. He applies his natural understanding, all his many years of experience, all his many years of study, all his many years of prayer, he brings to bear on the sacred text of Genesis, both first and second accounts of creation, complementary accounts. The Holy Father reminds us of the complete consciousness of solitude. There's a passing consciousness of solitude. When you're alone in the house, I'm all alone. But there's a greater sense of consciousness, which is possible. To be conscious is a great aspect of human being, self-aware. But even when we're sleeping and we're not self-aware or conscious, we're still who we are. We're just awaiting our rising, even if it's an unconscious awaiting. Pope John Paul II points out that there was a complete consciousness of solitude in respect with the other living beings, the animalia. The human being is a living being amongst living beings, and while the Holy Father doesn't point it out, God is a living being. God is the origin of all life, all living beings. The Holy Father doesn't point out Aristotelian philosophical distinctions between vegetative life, sensitive life, and spiritual life, not spiritual life in the sense of bended knee and folded hands, but the rational spiritual soul. When the Pope speaks about there being no possible existence with animals in a relation of reciprocal gift, he's highlighting the fact that we're made for each other, man for woman, woman for man, husband for wife, wife for husband. He doesn't talk about bestiality here, but this is verboten, forbidden. This is foreign to our makeup, our nature, and similarly other arrangements. Pope John Paul II speaks about gift and mystery, and this is a precursor to the book which he authored some years later, celebrating the anniversary of his ordination, the gift of ordination, the mystery of ordination. But even before those great gifts, the gift and mystery of our very being, the gift and mystery of life, the gift and mystery of the original unity of man and woman, the original unity between heaven and earth, God and us, a gift, a mystery, to be naked without shame, part of the gift, part of the mystery, the spousal meaning of the body, the gift of the spousal meaning, the mystery of the spousal meaning. In our day and age, how many people say, oh, we know everything there is to know about marital relations, about interpersonal relations. The Holy Father didn't use the word, but hui comes to mind. 
if we say there is no mystery, how sad. God is a mystery of persons, three divine persons, one God. And the human person is made in the image of God, made for communion, and mysterious no less. Pope John Paul II shows his philological background by focusing on two words, alone and help. Alone as an adjective and help as a noun. Words do matter. Words have meaning. To be alone, there's no one else. Amongst all the other animals, amongst all the other creatures on the face of the earth, man is distinct, and there's an aloneness there. Adam recognized in Eve a help, another like unto himself. Our ability to understand the essence of the gift. The Pope wants us to focus on the being of the gift. The being of the gift of being. The being of the gift of life. The being of the relationship between the giver and the gift and the one who receives. These things can be understood even in our fallen state where it is difficult to know the truth, but nonetheless possible. If we are made to the image of God, and we are, God understands his own being, God understands the gifts he has given, and the more we understand and seek to understand, then the more we are in the image of God, male and female, man and woman. This is our personal existence. We do not exist as cats or dogs or flowers or fish. We exist as human persons, mirroring the divine persons. The essence of the person, the being of the person, is something which Pope John Paul II is analyzing throughout these 133 talks. The essence of the person is a gift. The being of the person is a gift. The being, the essence of the person, is likewise a mystery. But while a mystery, it is not entirely unknowable. Remember your Agatha Christie. Remember Sherlock Holmes. Which were the names of the mysteries? Who were the characters? Where did they occur? Things can be known even about mystery, even if they're not exhaustively known. Pope John Paul II emphasizes two different ways of existing as helping us appreciate the mystery of the essence of the person, existing with someone side by side together, and existing for someone. When a husband and wife exchange their marital vows, they exist for the other, and in giving life to their children, they exist for the children. All of us, we exist for God, to give glory to God who has made us for himself. God, who exists as a trinity of persons, has made us to exist as human persons, body and soul composite. I am not just my body, and I am not just my soul. This is part of how I exist as a person in relation with others, in relation with God, and even in relation with myself. When I get enough sleep, it is good for me. It's also good for those around me. When I get enough to eat, it's good for me, but it's also good for those around me. When I am diligent in my labors, it's good for me, because I enjoy the fruit of my labor. But it's also good for those for whom I labor. This is part of my existence as a person. But my existence as a person is not limited to the here and now. Sure, my human being, my existence began in a certain year, on a certain day. 
when I was conceived. But though my body and soul will be separated at my death, the soul remains and awaits the resurrection. We pray in God's mercy that it will be on high with Christ Jesus and all the holy angels and saints. There are, there is another destination, however, where we do not want to go or should not want to go. To exist as a person points out a fundamental and a constitutive relationship and communion of persons. The foundation is the basis, the constitutive, the parts which make the whole. The relationship between us and ourselves, us and our neighbors, us and God, and God and us, and God and our neighbors. The communion of persons, together with, come union, union, come with, to be with each other, and not just bodily presence, also a union of wills. The communion of persons means a reciprocal living for. Reciprocity is very important in the understanding of our Holy Father. Mutuality, reciprocity. If it's just the husband turning cartwheel, standing on his head, and the wife sits back, that's not reciprocity. Or on the other hand, if the wife is standing on her head doing cartwheels and the husband's picking lint out of his belly button, well, this is not reciprocity. This is not mutuality. Communion of persons means reciprocal living for. Remember, the Holy Father spoke to us about the difference between existing with someone and existing for someone. The communion of persons is living for the other, to whom we have given ourself. The gift of self is so central, so key to holy marriage. And these 133 lectures, which go to make up the theology of the body, are used throughout the world at the various locations where the John Paul II Institute for Marriage and the Family are established. The students spread throughout the world, spreading the truth about God and about ourselves revealed by Jesus Christ, who spoke to us about the beginning, the original intention, the original plan of Almighty God for his creation. This male-female communion of persons living a relationship of reciprocal gift is, for Pope John Paul II, and in fact, the fulfillment of man's original solitude. We have been made for communion. This is part of the mystery of creation. Ma male and female, he has created us. Pope John Paul II has undertaken this Theology of the Body program so as to get down to the very essence, the very being of what is creative giving. God has given us being in creation. Picasso gave being to his works of art, Michelangelo no less. And then gifts are given further. The creation having been made is then given, entrusted to another. This time she is flesh from my flesh, and bone from my bone. These are words, but they are not just words. They express the reality of our very being, our being from the beginning, our blessed beginning, beatifying being, our existence in the world. Pope John Paul II doesn't mention Martin Heidegger or other philosophers in these passages, but when there's reference to existence in the world, one could hyphenate it because that's the experience of existence which we have. I do not have experience of existing on Mars. I do not have an experience of existing 
in outer space. I have an experience of existing in the world, and this is how God made me for himself in the here and now, and I look forward to existence in eternity, but I'm not entirely there yet, and neither are you. Because of our bodies, we are individuated. We are distinct from other human beings and from the other visible realities on the face of the earth. Part of Pope John Paul II's intention here is to present an adequate anthropology, an anthropology which corresponds to the reality of our very being. And part of that is the essentialness of the simultaneity, the topic of the person and the topic of the body and sex. Without these two, it's not an adequate anthropology. I'm not just a person. I'm not just my body. I'm the composite. There will be more on this in the coming programs. To deal with sex without the person would destroy the whole adequacy of the anthropology found in Genesis. Until next time, God bless you.